Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Track, a podcast for runners. At Track, our aim is to shine a light on the UK running club scene. This podcast is dedicated to and centred upon the committed club runner, the committed amateur. This week we have race news both in the UK and abroad, most notably at the World Half Marathon Championships and World Records in Valencia to discuss. We're also going to cover the latest news, including the announcement of a UK Olympic marathon trial in April. And our interview this week is with Robbie, who interviewed GB athlete Samantha Harrison. As always, I'm joined by Robbie Campbell. How are you, Robbie? I'm good, thank you, Banya. How are you? Very good, thanks. And once again by Kat Hutchinson. How are you, Kat? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Very good. Well, thanks for, for joining again. Um, I suppose, Kat, the first place to start is how's the injury? Yeah, I, it's getting better. I can't really feel it too much when I'm walking now. So I think I'm ready to start doing some, I've done a couple of little runs, a minute off, a minute on, and so far no, no real pain. So just trying really hard to be disciplined now and not build up too quickly. So that's my main aim for the next month is just don't overdo it. Easier said than done, Cal. Yeah, it is. I keep thinking I'll try and follow the couch to 5k plan to give it some structure. But then I keep thinking, well, I could do it every day instead of three times a week. And then I think I could skip on weeks and I think, no, it's just not following it anymore. <laughs> what is the couch to 5k plan? It just it involves doing like three runs a week, building up from like running a minute run a minute walk a minute and then it kind of goes to running two minutes walking a bit and it just over 12 weeks it builds up to running 5k so obviously I'm not going to do it over 12 weeks but just over 12 hours so <laughs> 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 fast forward are you doing any cross training cat are you getting in the swimming pool or anything like that no, I went to Waterworld with the kids, but that counts. <laughs> um, no, I've been really slack at the cross training because it's hurt walking. I'm pretty sure it would hurt cycling. It's kind of like it's not my hamstring anymore. So I'm really, it's really nice that that is gone and I can feel that it isn't the hamstring anymore. Mm-hmm. But it's like an abductor injury from the hills, I think, on the three peaks. And I can feel it walking, so I'm pretty sure I'd feel it cycling. The hamstring abductor and all that area, they're all so interlinked, aren't they? You can't, yeah. once you kind of tweak one, it's difficult not to kind of, for it to lead on to another. And, it's it's know. almost definitely caused by running through the hamstring injury. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, you know, we all make mistakes. I'm just trying to be chilled and think it's, you know, it's all learning. <laughs> Speak for yourself, Kat. I, I tend not to make mistakes when it comes to injuries. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, Bobby, speaking of mistakes, do you want to tell us about yeah. your latest running news? <laughs> yeah, so I've made a series of mistakes since uh, since we last spoke, actually, it's led, well, which, which led to me uh, missing a target race, which was uh, less than funny at the time. So uh, all in for the Cheshire 10K, which obviously you did yourself and ended up well, pulling out simple as that just no no absolutely no chance of racing wasn't even wasn't what wasn't even a possibility so a series of of bad training errors i'd say in the uh, seven days prior to the uh, to the race and uh, basically left me with shin splints self-diagnosed but um i don't know if you i don't know if either of you 
have ever had them, but I'm 99% sure the shin splints, which I'm quite happy about. At one point, I thought I'd, <laughs> I thought I'd snap both my cruciate ligaments behind my knees. Um, and I was kind of really panicking, but then the pain kind of went down from my knees and, and kind of settled into my shin. So mm-hmm. and it's a bit of a funny one, really, because have either of you had shin splints? Laura yeah. Alfred just says, no, never had it. Not properly, I don't think, no. Uh, it's a really weird one because one, like Saturday, I couldn't, I literally couldn't, I, I started to jog down the road and actually turned back and went home, which is really unusual for me. And then Sunday, I kind of got out for 40 minutes and it felt felt really relaxed and kind of fine. And then the next day, you know, hurt, it just comes and goes, which is which is one of those annoying ones. So you never quite know what you're going to get until you get out the door. So what does the next couple of weeks look like? Is it, do you think easy running will ease it? And then it's... Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not the worst. They're not, they're not the worst injury in the world, I don't think, because you can run through them to a point. And then obviously the key is not to do anything really stupid, <laughs> like, mm. like a really quick track session or anything like that. So... Or try and play another sport, maybe that I'm not used to. What, yeah. What's uh, John's advice? John Danahay's advice? Yeah, John. Well, John. John is exactly that, really. Just uh, take it easy and, and kind of plen- plenty of jogging. So I think, yeah, it's just really dis- obviously really disappointing because the the, Chesh- the Cheshire 10K was going to round off kind of my top, my my first kind of three months with John really well. Mm. Uh, everything pointed towards doing, you know, kind of get a target time the target race and then kind of messed it up a little bit so now it's a question of whether i kind of jump into a 10k in november um so there's a silverstone silverstone 10k mid-november which is a possibility mm-hmm. um but the longer that i'm kind of battling these and the more i'm kind of just forcing it so yeah um, so yeah i'm not 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 too sure really we'll just see how this week goes and then see where i'm at are you on the Back on the turbo, or was it not quite that bad? Uh, it was bad enough on Saturday, yeah. So got back on the turbo in the shed. So yeah, unfortunately, there's there's a wasp nest underneath the shed now, which which caused some issues because I think they thought that a giant wasp had kind of landed within the shed, um, and while I was turboing, um, kind of noticed this increase of kind of wasps around the, this this area of the shed and then when I got outside there were bloody hundreds of them all, all zooming in and out of this nest so uh, I'm not not quite sure really making a meal of this story I realise it's quite it's quite scary at the time but I don't really fancy it of an evening so I think that'd be a bit of a horror show anyway how are you Ben? <laughs> yeah fine thanks yeah all good um a couple of easy days running now um after sunday's cheshire 10k which as you said went well for me yeah good day out really perfect weather flat course good field which made for um a good run yeah i ran 32 27 so a decent chunk off my previous best Um, and what was nice about it i think as well as the time obviously is sort of crossing the line feeling like you sort of paced it and judged it really well which was in a big part due to running with a couple of other lads so um ian radford who you guys know and also adam hill from tmr we sort of pretty much ran 99 percent of it together and kept each other on pace which as you know helps a huge amount well i said to you on sunday night i think that i don't think anybody deserves to get a solid PB out of 2020 more than you really. So you've, uh, you know, all the people that we know, you've stayed so consistent and so kind of committed to your training, obviously through a couple of marathon blocks and had target mm-hmm. races pulled away from you. So you can get one 
solid PB in 2020, then I'm sure you'll take that, won't you? Yeah, it was really nice to cap off, as you say, what felt like a really good training block with something. I mean, the 5K also went somewhat to plan. It was a PB, but it wasn't quite what I was hoping for. So, yeah, to get a really nice PB like that, I think it does just, it gives you motivation to carry on the training and just sort of gives you a bit of peace of mind that actually what you were doing isn't, wasn't all a waste of time. And that it, it sort of, it, you know, it does yield benefits if you stick at it. Um, but as you know, it's not, it's not long before you start thinking how much, how quicker can I go next time? Um, yeah. But yeah, I was, I was really pleased. It was a good day. Very good. Well, speaking of races, shall we jump into some of the race results? Perhaps the best place to start, the World Half Marathon Championships, which took place over the weekend, just gone. Gdynia, Poland. In terms of the women's results, we saw women's only world record for Paris Cepcicchir. And she went through in 65-16. German athlete Melat Yisak Kajeta finished second in 65-18 which was a European women-only record. And in third place, Ethiopian athlete Yahula finished in 65-19. And for the first time in history, the top six finishers all dipped on inside 66 minutes. The top three all also under the previous world record mark of 65-34. And also, which puts it into perspective, 66 of the 101 finishers in the women's race all set a PB. So obviously a good day for the women's side of things. It was a looped course, um, about five and a half kilometres per loop. There were some sort of dead turns in the loop, which looked a bit for what you'd hope for or what you'd sort of choose to, to run. The top British females, um, Robbie, our interviewee this week, this week, Samantha Harrison, was the first Brit across the line. Um, she was in 47th place overall and finished in 71.53. She was followed in the second British female, Be- Becky Briggs of City of Hull in 73.08, which was good enough for 64th position. And Clara Evans, a name we've mentioned a few times um, on the podcast of Cardiff AC, finished in 73.11 in 65th position overall. Really, though, I think in terms of the British story of the World Half Marathon Championships, Really, the, the story was Jake Smith, um, who was the first British male to cross the line in a pretty amazing time of 60-31, and he finished in 18th position overall. Um, the Cardiff AC athlete, who we've spoken about quite a few times already, probably most notably when he ran a 28-minute 10K on the track during lockdown. Just an amazing run from him, and we'll talk about that in a second. Mo Adnan of Thames Valley was the second Brit male across the line in 50th position in 62.41. And Chris Jones of Swansea came in 60th position in 63.05. Um, in terms of the actual top finishes in the men's race, we had 19-year-old Jacob Kiplima of Uganda win the race in 58.49, which was a championship record. Kibiwat Kandia came second in 58.54 from Kenya, and Walligan of Ethiopia came in third place in 59.08. So lots happening there, but I think Jake Smith really the, the sort of the major storyline, just 22 years of age, and I think you guys have probably seen the pictures looking visibly sort of shocked and amazed at his time as he crossed the finish line. Um, pretty emotional as well in sort of the finish area in tears and sort of just sort of really moved by what he had just done. That moves him to third on the UK all-time half marathon list. Sits behind only Mo Farah and Callum Hawkins. 
and is also the top Welsh half marathon of all time now, moving ahead of Steve Jones's record, which was set in 1986 at the Great North Slam, and obviously breaks his own British under 23 record from earlier this year as well. There's quite a lot of coverage of him on the TV during the race because he was running in that front pack the whole time or pretty much the whole time. And from the report, he just said that he felt absolutely amazing all day. He wanted to really push the pace. He set an official, he set a 10K PB during the race. So I think he went through the first 10K in about 28.43. So just an amazing run from him. And obviously at 22 years of age, certainly one to watch for the future. Did you watch much of this one, Kat? Yeah, I watched his race. It was it was good. I what I liked the coverage of him was great. It was great to actually see him up with that lead pack. And it was great to see that he actually looked like he belonged there. There was no point where he he looked like he was gonna fall off the pace. He looked like he was comfortable and he belonged up there with those lead pack. And the other thing I really liked about it was as runners, like you just said about that 10K, we've got, we almost always finish races feeling like we could give more and slightly disappointed or, and just to see that reaction from him is, you know, be good to see that more often in us all just be really pleased with our performance on the day. That was, it was just great to see how emotional he was and how he, he genuinely could not believe what he had just achieved. Yeah. It was it was really special. He was he said he sort of was tearing up in the home straight. So he turned the corner and saw the clock, and sort of thought he was getting emotional before he even crossed the line. So it was pretty good to watch actually. It's really nice to see that sort of emotion and that just as you say pure happiness. Um, Samantha Harrison, Robbie. So obviously you spoke to Samantha before the half marathon took place. Um, she said she was happy with it for her senior debut and she gave it her all. Um, and that to be inside the top 50 um, of a World Half Marathon Championships, the first time she was wearing a GB vest, pretty good result. She said the course was a bit tougher than she anticipated. She started off well, but perhaps as the race wore on, it sort of took its toll on her legs. Having spoken to her before the race, do you think a 71.53 she'll be pleased with? Well, I think she'll be happy with it based on what she's like, kind of her comments afterwards. I think if she was... Not happy with it. I think, you know, I mean, you listen to the interview. I think she'd be a kind of hardest critic, really, and kind of be honest and say, well, what she was going for. So potentially, and this, this is this is completely uh, kind of guessing, really, but I wonder whether she was kind of going to try and uh, sub-70, maybe. But if it's a tougher course and she kind of anticipated, then she'd be happy with top first kind of British female finisher um, and 71 minutes. As I said, Becky... Briggs came second in terms of British females. Becky actually won the Bath Half Marathon earlier this year. And I think I'm right in saying she was one of the replacements that took a place of another uh, athlete who had dropped out, who had been previously scheduled to run. And Clara Evans of Cardiff AC, who another friend of the show, Jenny um, Nesbitt, um, also trains with. TV coverage, I don't know about you, Kat, I thought it was really good. Only same comments as ever. I spend my whole time trying to look back down the field a bit to see how everyone else is getting on. But I guess that's just the nature of it. They're always going to follow those front runners. But I often wanted to check how Jake Smith was doing and it wasn't quite going back far enough to yeah. see him. But it was it was really well, well covered, really. And it, the finish line, there was quite a lot of coverage of everyone coming over the line, which was good. 
That was really good, actually. I, I liked seeing that sort of prolonged footage of the finish line um, of them all sort of congratulating each other and sort of hands on knees, out of breath, and which you don't always see much of, actually, because they normally get ushered away, don't they? Um, yeah. But there's quite a long sort of recording of, of the athletes crossing the line and then standing around celebrating, chatting and what have you. Um, How much do you think that we will stick with the looped kind of marathon races when we're into a bit more normal times? Or do you think that'll be quick to go back to kind of long stretched out routes? I mean, that course looked slow because of those hairpin turns. I think they'd, without the restrictions, they'd probably look for a course where they didn't need to do that. I think from a logistical point of view, the organisation, when you've got a TV, when it's got TV coverage maybe and etc then it's probably an absolute kind of dream isn't it for the organizers just to kind of keep it contained within an area so but you're right I mean the, the some of the hairpins was just unnecessary I thought it was sure they could have kind of worked that out you saw no. people really slowing down into them and doing those little pigeon steps around yeah to try and speed up again my shins would not have taken that sorry UK-based races Robbie and run through Cheshire 10k took place on Sunday the 18th of October We'll start at the run through Cheshire 10K, um, which is on Sunday, which obviously we, we kind of just talked about yourself doing, but it's a, an absolute stacked field, um, which is why we were kind of both looking forward to going up and being involved in it. So just a little bit of background on it. They did actually change the course about 10 days out. So it was designed to be on a, a tried and trusted course. It's a loop that goes into West Cheshire. Um, and then because of the COVID restrictions, they actually changed the course and did an out and back that went into East Cheshire, which had less restrictions. So I think the first thing to say really is a huge kudos to run through and um, the organisers for really kind of trying to get this on. I must admit, I was expecting a cancellation all the way because of kind of where it was in the country. But, you know, they got it on and by all accounts, it sounds like it was really well organised. So as results, uh, Jess Judd, who was probably always the red-hot favourite to win. So she won in 32-32, followed by Jit Vastenberg of Team New Balance Manchester in 34-03, followed by Kirsty Longley of Liverpool Pembroke Sefton in 34-14. In the men's race, our friend Omar Ahmed um, of Birchfield won in 29-24, and then followed by the more Puff Harriers pair with Chris Parr and Alex Brown, 29-36 and 29-37. Um, so they obviously kind of work really well together. Just a, a, a couple, of, couple of mentions, really. So um, I think you mentioned at the top of the show that Adam Hill and Ian Radford of Team Marathon Road both secured PBs as well. So the three of you work really well together. So Adam Hill got 32-20, which was um, quite a big PB for him, for him I think. He'll tell, tell me otherwise, so he'll be really happy with that. And then Ian Radford, he fought to Ian Radford, 32-28. Again, massive PB after Ian's had his injury problems and he's come back really strongly uh, over the last few months. And also, uh, just to mention to uh, the Olympian Jeff Norman, who's at M75 nowadays, that he won his category. And then I believe it's his son, Andy, who won his M40 category as well. Um, so a family double there. I wonder if Dave Norman, the guy who does the uh, Facebook Live or the Running Live, is related to them because he was running as well. So, so yeah. So, so tell us about it, Ben. How was uh, how was the organisation and the feel of the race when you got there? 
it was very good actually it was a flat out and back so essentially uh, start and finish at the same place it was five kilometers in one direction essentially on one side of the road and you did a little hairpin turn and it was five kilometers um, back you sort of retraced your steps almost the good thing about that was you, we got to see the almost obligatory site of omar um, coming in the other direction as we were going in one direction he'd already got to the halfway point and was steaming back in the other direction so that was, but in terms of organization yeah I couldn't fault it really they told you to arrive early because the parking got busy so most people were there nice and early um, sort of warming up on the course and then there were different waves we were in wave one um, and then there was sort of encourage you to get into pairs and they would shout out estimated finish times and then you would sort of come forward based upon what your estimated finish time was. The instructions at the beginning said we'd sort of let people go past every 10 seconds but essentially once people got going over the start line it was just individuals just sort of started rolling over the, the start line. Um, although um, apparently it took about 23 minutes to get everyone over the start line at the beginning. Yeah, I went off with Adam and then Ian was a row, I think, behind us. So I think Ian did a bit of work to catch up with us. There was probably sort of five seconds behind us and then caught up with us and then okay. worked together. It was a it was a case of because the conditions were so good, sort of talking to uh, lads beforehand, we sort of said, well, don't get these conditions very often. Let's just try and go out at a decent pace. That would mean we'd sit between the 32, 30 and, and 33 minutes. Um, I'd spoke, actually spoken to George in days leading up to it, sort of asking for his advice and how he approaches a 10K race. And he said he gave me some really good advice, which I tried to follow to the letter, really. Um, he said that his coaches have told him for a 10K race, choose what your target sort of kilometer splits are. And for the first 7K, just try and take each of those Ks and hit them. So regardless of what you did prior, don't try and make up time. But let's say I wanted to run 3.15s. Just every K, just try and hit a 3.15. If you hit a 3.20, don't try and make it up in your next K um, because you can always make quite a lot of time up within the last K or two if, you, if, you, if you've got the legs for it. So I pretty much tried to do that for the first 7K. We were still working together. And obviously because we'd paced it quite well, we started to sort of overtake people, which is always a bit of a, a confidence boost. Um, so we managed to finish strongly and, and we did pick it up a little bit in the last 3K. So definitely a shout out to George there for the advice, um, which was fairly sound advice. Happy with the time. And yeah, definitely one for the future, Robbie, if you are interested in running a quick 10K next year. Well done, Ben. Really, uh, it's good, good, good someone's flying the flag for the podcast and uh, staying injury free and getting some, uh, getting some good time. So fully deserved. Yeah. Thanks, Robbie. Um, another big race or another sort of, sort of talked about race on the weekend was the, the Bedford Autodrome event on Sunday the 18th as well. And this event, Robbie, had 5K, 10K, half marathon, 16 miles, 20 miles and a marathon. Yeah, so this is um, another run through events, isn't it? So just, I mean, just 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 a brief kind of mention on the, the race organisers run through because they've been consistently putting on races over the last kind of three or four months where others have failed really so kind of whatever they're doing and however they're doing it really maybe other race organizers should be looking at them to see um, how they're pulling it off and how they're keeping their reputation intact because that's exactly what they're doing you know they're not getting any bad press for getting these races on so yeah so this was uh, I suppose this was probably a little bit easier for them to organize but it's probably no coincidence where it was so it's at the Bedford 
auto drone. Um, so got the impression that that is a, like a, a big racetrack. Um, obviously, like you say, races all the way through the distances. So just to kind of quickly whiz through maybe the winners uh, before we talk about the marathon. So half marathon, um, Christian Watson won in uh, for the male race in 108.04. Um, Emma Hodson won in for the ladies in 117.01. Samuel Roberts, 10K in 31. Dead and Claire Thurgood for the ladies in 36.24. And then the highlight really was, was the uh, was the marathon. So the women's race was won by Joanna Oregon in 241.31 uh, of St. Neot's Riverside Runners, which is obviously a really strong time. Closely followed by Laura Bohm in 245.29 of the Clapham Chasers. Um, and there's somebody that you all know, Ben, Becky Timmings of Brat and Team Marathon Road, who finished in a strong time of 248.19. Big PB. Yeah, I'm sure Becky, well, I know Becky's really pleased with that time. Um, much like a lot of us, she was originally scheduled to race at Wrexham, which obviously postponed. Um, but she was really keen to do a marathon to to cap off her, her really solid training over the lockdown period. Her previous marathon best was 256 in 2019. Um, so a, a very good PB for Becky there. And then in the men's, the men's results, one of our favourite rate results over the weekend by one of our favourite people that we've interviewed on the show, Andrew Davies, officially a friend of the show. He got his first ever marathon win in 25 attempts. So not as, not as quick as time, but um, still a quick time of 2.17.12. Paul Piper of West Four Harriers came second in 2.24.26, so quite a long way back. And then Chris Mason, who's probably Paul Piper's mate of West Four Harriers, um, also PB in 2.25.36. Um, just one more sort of UK-based race to, to fire through. Um, and this was the, the stacked field of the Manoroy Park 5K Festival. Um, which was a race rapid event. This is based in Leicestershire and it also featured the Leicestershire and Rutland AA 5k road race championships. Really good field, some great times. Um, there were six 5k races throughout the morning, again of the weekend just gone, um, so the 17th and 18th. Each race had a capacity of 30 athletes and it was a, again a looped course um, on what looked like a, a racetrack. 18 women finished under 17 minutes, the winners being Amy Pratt in 15.53, second was Sophie Coldwell in 16.10, and third was Chloe Hubbard in 16.12, and 26 men across the different waves finished under 15 minutes, the fastest being Harry Lelou in 14.07, Chris Pernham in 14.08, and Seb Anthony in 14.20. Other races that took place over the same weekend was the Hullivanton Half. The women's race, Charlotte Taylor-Green, set a new course record in 118.42, and she's a Cleveland Athletic Club runner. And then the men's result, Adam Stokes of Bristol and West AC, um, set a new course record, also trains at TMR in 110.09. So some very quick half-marathon winning times there at the Hullivanton Half. In Norway, Robbie, we had a, a fairly um, interesting 10K matchup at the Heiterplan Miller that you watched and, and had a look, at, a look at for us. There was a lot of interest just purely because everyone's kind of favourite ultra runner, Killian Journey, was turning his t- turn into the road for the first time. So 
hugely unusual to see him kind of running on a on a, on a flat 10k and it was the first one in his career that he'd done so anyone that follows him on Strava would have seen that he's 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 kind of hit a couple of these in, in training kind of gone under 30 minutes as a, a as a kind of tempo effort really but this was his first race um and it was billed as Killian Journey versus uh, Jakob Ingebrigtsen and um, didn't quite turn out like that both for different reasons Shame that we didn't kind of get a sense of um, those two kind of going against each other. Um, to be honest, I mean, Killian Journey was never really going to kind of trouble a, a fit Jakob Ingebrigtsen. Um, but unfortunately, Journey was also kind of nursing an injury over the last few weeks. And so he was just kind of happy to get round by the by by the sound of his interview afterwards. Um, and he did 29.59. So he's actually done kind of faster than that in training. Women's Norwegian record was actually broken on the same day, which is probably worth uh, talking about. And I'll have a go at her name, but Caroline Bjerkeli Grovdal. And so she set a new Norwegian's record of 30-32 in the competition. So it is a fast race. And although it's a couple of weeks ago now, we had some very big running news and I know an event we were all glued to as it was happening. Um, some world record attempts at Valencia Cap. Yes, on the 7th of October, we had world record day in Valencia with Joshua Cheptegei attempting to beat the 10,000 metre world record of 26.17.53 set by Bekele in 2005. Also on the night with Letosembe Gide attempting the women's 5,000 metre world record of 14.11 set by Terenish Barber. On the night, it was... Conditions looked good. It was in a stadium set below the road level, so cut out a lot of wind trouble for that night. Um, Gide kicked things off, accompanied by Esther Guerrero and Beatrice Chepkowicz as pacers. Chepkowicz took her through 3K in 8.31.85 before leaving her to follow the wave light technology um, for the last uh, for the last two k she went through 4k in 11 19 and finished in 140662 so she took four and a half seconds off the world record she looked really comfortable and smooth throughout it didn't really ever look in doubt through the whole race we then checked a guy was up next going for his third world record of the year he was paced through 5k by Kameli in 13.07.73. He ran the rest of it on his own in his usual metronomic style, went through 8k in 20.59.48 and clocked a 60 second last lap to finish in 26.11. So he took six seconds off the world record. Both efforts were great achievements. The coverage was really good, but to me, it felt a bit flat. don't know how you two felt about it. I was really excited watching it, to be honest with you, Kat. I quite like that sort of just go out at a pace, see how long you can stick with it. There were a few fans in the uh, attendance as well, which they weren't making noise, but that sort of made it feel a little less sort of sanitised, I think. I was just mesmerised watching him and the clock from obviously the, the track lights. And I, I do get the sort of the sort of general consensus that it looks so easy for them and it never really seemed in doubt which makes it a little less exciting and and that argument but 
I'm still fairly uh, enthralled by it all. What were your thoughts on it, Kat? You, you're not into it at all, are you? The, the no. kind of time trial theory to it. I'm not, I don't like this whole setup to run a time thing. Like the break, the whole breaking two thing just wasn't interested. It's just, I mean, that for other reasons, it's not a, you know, if you see someone break two hours in a marathon at London, incredible. If you watch them do it round a, a loop, just set to do that, it just doesn't seem the same. And for these ones, it, it took me a while to work out what I didn't like about those attempts and I sat watching them and I thought yeah they're going to do it the lights were there they could we could see the entire time they were going to do it and I couldn't work out what you know they're incredible records the 10,000 meter and 5,000 meter are incredible records to break but as spectators you want to watch you you want to watch people race and seeing I look back on the two records that they broke and when they were broken and when you see Bacali in the 10,000 metres, the whole race is a spectacle. It isn't just one man running round a track for 25 laps. He, Sammy Wunjiro followed him for as long as he could and came away with a PB. There was a French national record was equaled in that race. Most people in the front part of the race got a PB or season best. Everything was... You know, and alongside it, you had all the atmosphere of the a full stadium with, you know, a long jump going along up the side and things. It just seems it's good to see world records broken as part of the athletics calendar. So are you, what, are you saying, Kat, from nurse of the NHS to screw the COVID regulations and just get everyone <laughs> into a stadium? Yeah, you see, <laughs> I will let it off if this is just because of COVID. But we had we had Diamond League matches. There was, you know, there were meets where people could have attempted these records. And the 5,000 metre one, when Chetskai did that, there was other stuff going on in that race. It, it didn't feel just like watching someone go out and run laps of a track. I guess if we do all the records like this, there'll be no, there'll be no magic nights in the stadiums and big events where we see records go down because they'll all have gone down under the perfect conditions. I think that's why, um, just to kind of pull one out there, that's why the David Radisha 800 metres is is kind of talked about already as one of the greatest performances in history, isn't it? To smash the world record in the Olympic final, which is, you know, to, to kind of do it in, in the race format, as it were, and kind of rather than race it, kind of run for the time is kind of extraordinary. Do you think that the pacing lights artificially improve the chances of, um, of of breaking the world record yeah I feel like that's added or taken away a whole nother element of skill in running to pace yourself to those everyone knows that you know your chances of running a good time are better if you can run even splits and that makes that really easy to do and so yeah it takes away another another little element of skill and again not doing it in races takes away the element of having to watch what the rest of the field is doing having to race smartly I, I think I'm sort of in the middle of you two really I mean I, I get quite excited by the prospect of well and watching them I mean I've watched all these world record attempts from start to finish I think my uh, my uh, my kind of whinge on it or my angle on it is how how does it seem so easy and how have we seen so many 
world record attempts that have been called out beforehand and then just handled really serenely. This seems unusual. It seems like an unusual kind of period of distance running. Um, and I don't know whether that's because of the setup, like you say, Kat, whether it's a time trial setup and or whether it's the, the fact that they've done such kind of tailored training towards it. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm completely wrong on this, but I can't remember in the past runners kind of coming out and calling a world record and then just handling it really easily and it's never in doubt from start to finish mm-hmm. um, and then almost doing the victory lap at the same pace as the opening lap maybe. I think there's certainly been some eyebrows raised at the how easy particularly check the guy looks in running these times but unless you get unless you know unless you want to sort of just outright call it out and you think someone's cheating or whatever I think you just have to watch and then wait really don't you and see if anything does come of it I think the setup helps I think the, the pacing lights help I think the long period of training blocks help um, but yeah whether there's anything else more sinister at play you just you we don't know do we? I'd like to think it is more the setup than that there's anything amiss with the athletes in particular I think it's just they're being given chances you know that event is set for them and that's not a chance that every athlete gets is a kind of you know big event set up just for them when they're peaking and so I think that's why we're seeing records is because they're trying to do it like this I'd like I'd like to uh, I'd like to think that as well (laughs) I, I think Gide actually looking at some of her form from last year and things she'd set some pretty impressive records and she'd set a really impressive 15k record which no one really it's not a distance that anyone really talks about so she she was quick and beating top quality men in that so I think she she probably she was ready to take on the the 5000 meter record but, I mean, she looks amazing when she runs, doesn't she? Yeah, she does, yeah. I think she, she did herself favours in the eyebrows being less raised because she was so sick afterwards, wasn't she? Which made, yeah. at, least, at least made people kind of say, well, at least she was working hard if she was going to kind of throw up that soon after the race. Yeah. And maybe, maybe that's what Chet Guy needs to do. Chet the Guy's got his gold crown on and just going around the track, wasn't he, with his flag? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's I think it's a fair comment to make because as as in our news section, uh, we're talking about Daniel Wanjiru, for example. So we've we've seen another athlete um, receive a doping ban for um, irregularities in their in their uh, biological passport. So you know there's obviously doping going on. So it's it's I, I think it's you have to look at these things within context. And uh, in athletics now, doping happens. So um, I think you need to have a, a, a sort of discussion about it. Yeah, I think the the one thing I'd say about Chapter Guy now is that he's he's holding so many world records that if the unthinkable kind of happened and he did get popped, it would be a tough thing to come back from for kind of for for for, for distance running really. But hopefully that day won't come. I'm sure he's clean. Did you see the um, the other record that was broken by Hassan Kat? Yeah, I watched some of the Dutch coverage of it which was um so that seemed in some ways I enjoyed that more because it seemed less contrived less set up just more 
it was absolutely awful conditions so there was no one at the track at all you could even you could hardly see any officials they were huddled under a couple of umbrellas and they were the only people out there and so watching that with such low-key coverage actually felt a lot more like real athletics seeing her attempt it in those conditions and also in her home country so you know that seems a little less like set up there was still the pace lights and she did have Laura Waitman pace her for eight laps to start with and still it's another one you just think could it not have tied in with any of her Diamond League meets or anything and do it do it there rather than in a empty stadium set up for that she definitely looked like she was working for what she got in those conditions as well which is uh, almost the opposite of kind of what we were talking about with some of the world record events she you know she really was kind of laying it all on the line in the last kind of last mile or so wasn't she yeah it looked more like you sort of expect a world record attempt to go it sort of you know she even pacing to start with then tried to pick it up you know and ultimately fell off the pace but it's kind of that that's what you expect to see a little more of in these but with those two in Valencia was just on it the whole time never in doubt yeah very good okay guys well let's move on let's finish up with a few of the latest news articles that have happened over the last two weeks in the running world some sad news to start in that George Gandhi prolific British endurance running coach um, best known for his work at Loughborough University sadly died following a heart attack at the age of 80 huge number of athletes that George Gandhi has coached he's experienced spanned 10 Olympics 11 world university games and five Commonwealth Games. He was the national endurance coach from 92 to 98 and from 2009 to 2013. Yeah, as I said, worked with a huge number of athletes, including the likes of Seb Coe. Um, he was a very good athlete himself as a youngster um, and he's been described as nothing short of a legend. Certainly from what we've heard from George Beardmore, who's at Loughborough University, he was a, a very nice man. Um, so very sad news there. Other news is... Birmingham Cross Country League has been cancelled this year, which we'll perhaps get Robbie's take on in a second. But we also heard that there's going to be an Olympic qualifying marathon in London in April. Um, not just the marathon, but there will be a, a whole host of events for qualifying for the GB team for the rescheduled Tokyo Olympics. So if I just read this out, there will be some events staged in Manchester on June 26th to 27th. Marathon contenders will race for places on the team on a multi-lap circuit in London on March 26th. So essentially, perhaps an American-type Olympics qualifying marathon, which I know some people are in favour of and some people don't like, um, but will certainly be interesting to watch. Um, For 10,000-metre runners, the trial event will be at the annual Highgate Harriers organised event at Parliament Hill. So the the night of the 10,000 metres is going to be used for the Olympic qualifying race for the 10,000 metres. It's suggested that the first two placed eligible athletes in each individual trials event will automatically be selected for the same event, provided that within at least one of the two qualifying periods, that athlete has achieved at least one world athletics qualification standard. So interesting news there. Other news, um, we've had some more names announced for the podium cross-country event, which is is shaping up to be a good event. So in the men's race, 
We've got people like uh, Johnny Brownlee, Tom Evans and others signed up. And in the female event, we've got individuals like Amelia Quirk, Eleanor Bolton, others. So that should shape up to be a very good event. Uh, just to finish up then, Robbie, should we get your take on the Birmingham Cross Country League being cancelled this year? Uh, this is our kind of bread and butter of the winter season, really. So sad news that they've abandoned all hope of getting any races on. And this is also, I mean, you'll correct me, Kat, if I'm wrong here. So this is also your league, which is the Midlands Ladies Cross Country League, um, yeah. which is also being cancelled as well. Uh, and basically, it's that they've, they've just admitted that they can't adhere to the requirements placed on the race organisers. So, you know, requirements such as spectators happen to be at least six metres away from the runners. Uh, race is no longer than 15 minutes duration and waves of 12 runners at a time. And then kind of couple all of that with the fact that many of the officials are in kind of the more vulnerable age groups as well. Uh, ultimately made a cocktail that they couldn't cope with and makes the season unviable and they've cancelled that which is really really sad news and leaves a lot of runners kind of a bit kind of rudderless really through the winter probably worth saying you know just like you've said Ben on more optimistic news our uh, our friend Chris Barnes from Podium is, uh, is, is kind of pushing on with his Podium cross-country event obviously a little bit different to, to kind of league regulations it's uh Obviously, a bit more of an elite kind of outing, but you know, good to see him kind of pushing on with that. And also, spoke to Mike Boucher of Aldershot, so we've got an interview with him in a few weeks' time. And interestingly, he was saying that he's still confident of hosting the Hampshire Cross Country League in November for fixture one, um, taking all the regulations into account. So I have actually just checked that is still on as we stand. Um, and Mike said he'll give us an update on that in a couple of weeks to see if it goes on or if they've had to kind of admit defeat on it. So, yeah, sad news. OK, guys. Well, Robbie, all that's left for us to do really is to um, introduce this week's interview. And as I said at the beginning, it's with GB athlete um, Samantha Harrison. So for those who don't know Samantha, it's um, she is somebody that's made kind of big news within the running world over the last couple of years purely because of her kind of rise really and to, to kind of where she's at in terms of like we've talked about on this episode finishing first female in something like the world half marathon championships i mean obviously you listened in as well ben at the time i think from the outside kind of looking in it seems like a, a kind of magical story of this runner kind of rising to prominence um, but then i think when you talk to her you realize there's no accident about this really i mean she is an absolute example of you know what can be done if you combine that kind of mix of obviously kind of natural talent um, but also you know absolute dedication um, and probably most importantly you know serious thought into kind of what she does in her training um, and she's obviously somebody with kind of high hopes and high expectations of herself. And it was really interesting to uh, to kind of get to talk to her and get a take on, you know, the last couple of years and the future and some of the races that she's been involved in and, you know, very personable and likeable. And yeah, good listen. What did you think, Ben? Exactly what you said, really. I think um, we sort of both... So uh, you, we recorded the interview and then straight away afterwards, we sort of had exactly the same thought. And I think we used the same term 
the first thing sprung to mind was a real sort of steely determination. I think we both said to each other, which really yeah. comes comes through in the interview. I just, I just, the biggest. Oh, I'm sorry, that um, you're a big dirty dancing fan, which which was a surprise to me, but that's always good to hear. But other well, than that, a really nice interview to listen to. To to be honest with you, I can't remember saying that. And I still, I still think you've probably edited that in somehow with your kind of expertise editing by putting in word by word. I wouldn't put it past you, Ben. So yeah, any reference to dirty dancing, I think, is uh, it, it is not true. On that bombshell, that he is very skillful at editing. <laughs> he is very skillful at editing. He's also learning fast as well. So you got you got to watch yourself, Cat. Yeah. <laughs> what are you up to this week, Cat? Uh, no big plans, I think. Lots of drinking coffee at the woods with Coach John. <laughs> that's that's good. good. That's all I've got planned. That's for tomorrow on Saturday. <laughs> and will be anything for you? Yeah, no, I think I'll be joining Cat for a coffee with Coach John at the woods, to be honest. It sounds, uh, <laughs> sounds, sounds perfect. So, yeah, just just like we said at the start, just easy, easy running and you know, just see where I'm at. Hopefully I have a bit of a long run on Sunday um, if the shins have recovered. Absolutely. What about you, Ben? No, just easy running for me this week and then try and do a few more miles and um, work and running and, and that's about it. Nothing new there. Thanks, guys. Um, nice to talk to you again. We hope you all enjoy the interview and uh, join us in a couple of weeks on track. Cheers, guys. See ya. Bye. This week on track, we welcome one of the most exciting prospects in distance running, Samantha Harrison. Samantha has impressive PBs over all distances from 1500 to the marathon and has notched some notable performances in some high profile races. What makes Samantha's story even more interesting is, she, is that she has only been running competitively since 2019. Samantha runs for Charmwood in Nottingham, is ranked as the 14th UK female and is working with the respected coach Vince Wilson to keep improving. We're excited to talk to Samantha a week after the announcement that she has been selected to represent Great Britain at the World Half Marathon Championships in Gdynia, Poland on October the 17th. Hi, Samantha. Thanks for giving up time to talk to us at track. Hi there. No, you're welcome. <laughs> How are you today? You okay? Yeah, really good, thank you. Happy that it's um, a Sunday and not in the week, so I'm not too tired from work. <laughs> Although it's so, Monday uh, tomorrow. So we're, so we're talking on the day of the uh, London Marathon, so it would be, uh, be remiss not to kind of get your thoughts on that, really. Did you get a chance to watch it this morning? Yeah, I woke up this morning. I set my alarm to watch it. I did actually sleep a little bit through my alarm, but I managed to get up um, sort of just as the girls were starting. And yeah, it was it was an interesting one, wasn't it? It was, it was nothing like London Marathon to what it has been in the previous years. Um, it was quite strange to watch, actually. Um, most of the girls running quite solo throughout the race, the weather, conditions... Um, yeah, it was it was very strange because it was so silent. I've never heard London Marathon yeah. be so silent. What did you think about it? Yeah, I, I, I mean, you've echoed my thoughts completely. I was just talking to Ben before um, we hit the record button and exactly that really. It didn't feel like a big city marathon kind of watching it. I mean, it was, no. you know, it was obviously you know, entertaining in so many ways, but so far removed from what we're used to. It's slightly disappointing for, uh, for, for some of the British ladies, Steph Twelve, Lily Partridge, not not kind of finishing 
Yeah, yeah, that was a shame. I was quite a surprise, actually. But then when I thought about it, I thought those sort of conditions and the situation that there was in, it, it's not like anything that they probably experienced right. before. Um, so, yeah, watching watching the girls, I did feel for them. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, you, you don't know you can be, you can train up so hard for these events and you work months and months and day in, day out and train so hard and then you just don't know how you're going to feel on the day. Um, yeah. I have, I've obviously seen Lily quite a, um, a bit over the last six months or so racing and then I seen her in Ireland a few weeks back um, when we did the Antrim Half Marathon Coast and she's in great shape. Um, so when she pulled out, like, she knows she's in shape. Um, you, she obviously just had one of those days and the weather wasn't great. It looked yeah. cold, it looked grim out there. You just don't know how your body's going to gonna react on the day. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you saw her. I think it was on Instagram or Twitter and she was talking about how cold it was this morning. It makes you wonder whether, you know, the fact that Steph Twile also kind of ran in a jacket. And I saw a couple of others running in jackets and makes you wonder whether the decision to have it so early kind of backfired on the organisers a little bit maybe. Yeah that's it you just never know do you on the day um, I noticed that there was running jackets um, and then they took them off sort of halfway round so then obviously as time goes on there's obviously getting less cold um, but yeah that says a lot you just don't know I think the very early start for the girls I know that some of them was up at half past three four in the morning um, and that's really early um, because obviously you have to um, get ready you have to warm up you have to fuel up so you have to get up a good few hours early before a race um, and half past three four in the morning is it's very early um, particularly then if you if you're going into conditions that aren't ideal as well um, so yeah it was not a good day for the girls but I'm sure they'll come back fighting and 10 times stronger they know they're in shape and they're fit and they're healthy and that's what's most important really. Any regrets watching it that you weren't there or were you happy that you were kind of sat on your sofa and in a nice warm house <laughs> <Yeah>. watching it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean um, I haven't moved up to the marathon yet um, and when I do um, I want to experience it as the other marathons have been I wouldn't have put myself in that situation um when I knew obviously that with the coronavirus and everything and all the racing had changed um I probably wouldn't have even entered the race um knowing that because if, if it was my first uh, London marathon race I'd want to experience it properly um and have that feeling and do as best I can and in that sort of condition and situation I just I'm not just not sure that I've been able to perform how I want to um so yeah I'd rather just wait until I'm ready until things go back to a little bit more of the norm um we can start racing properly again really let's hope let's hope in 12 months time we're kind of seeing those big crowds back and kind of traditional course and you know it makes such a difference doesn't it so yeah I feel sorry for any types of racing but particularly endurance at the moment um because they obviously uh participate a lot of big crowds and, and thousands of people and that's what makes a marathon in my eyes um so and you're not allowed to have that at the moment so it makes it really difficult for endurance running um when you do the shorter distance stuff although you miss that spect the spectators and and the bigger crowds it's over a lot quicker and it doesn't seem as bad um, but when you start to go to the half marathon marathon distance um 
that's what you sort of run for for me I just love having crowds and the atmosphere around you to not have any of that almost takes the enjoyment a little bit away which, which takes us kind of nicely to your uh, to the big announcement a couple well set about seven days ago that making the GB team for the half marathon champs um, yeah, great. So, so I know that uh, you were, were you confirmed after the big half or pretty much, or was it reassessed kind of recently on more recent form? Yeah, so the uh, British Half Marathon Championships was back in March before everything happened um, with the COVID. Um, so me, Lily and Steph Davis had uh, qualified for the top three to um, go and race in Poland literally I think it was uh, two weeks later um, so yeah I'd qualified back in March uh, to make the world half marathon GB selection um, but of course got postponed then to October um, so we sort of waited all that time and I was when it got postponed I was aware that it was quite a long time away uh, from March to October but I just wanted to keep training consistent, uh, keep going, um, keep training hard, if anything, try and improve if I can. Um, and then, yes, yeah, so we sort of got a few emails off of some of the uh, British Athletics to sort of keep, we're just keeping each other updated and in the loop with how our training's going, making sure there's no injuries um, or any illness or anything that, like that that could hinder our performance or slightly uh, throw us out a little bit with training. Um, so we just had to give them our honest opinion on how, how, how training's been going, really. And training have been going great for me um, over the last six months because I was put, um, put on furlough for a, a few months from my workplace um, and then sort of reduced my hours a little bit with everything that was going on. Um, so it was actually an opportunity for me to train even more um all those bits that I haven't had time to do back before March um lots of gym work uh, strength and conditioning there's just a little things that you don't get a chance to fit in between the running <laughs> um so I've managed to do all of that and if anything like you say I trained a lot more I managed to increase my mileage just mix around with the training a bit more um and then it sort of and then back in august there was um a race that was announced it was a 5k it was the only sort of race that was going on at the time and um, so i thought you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna go for it do my first 5k that i've ever done um, that's a mid 5k yeah yeah i did that one so i just wanted to get a race in going from march and then all those months um without anything you just you know i sort of knew where i was at but you just want that confidence and confirmation in a, from a race. Um, so did the Mid-Cheshire 5K, never done a 5K. So that was a shock to the system. <laughs> so, so you're going to get a, um, I mean, I, I know we talked about the, the kind of situation with the London uh, Marathon today, but you're going to get a taste of what that's kind of like in terms of the, you know, elite field, no mass participation in Gdynia. And I, I presume it's going to be a COVID secure environment as well. So have you been kind of told what that's going to look like and what you have to do to prepare? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, sort of aware of that. Um, I'm not too sure too much about the course at the moment. Um, I know that it's a looped course. So the original course back in March that we was meant to be doing has changed. Um, so it's a looped course. I think it... Could, it might be 5k loops um, 
I might be wrong, but that's what I've heard at the moment. Um, so yeah, I believe it, it could be 5k loops, um, which, yeah, it's sort of not ideal, but um, it, it's okay. It's a half marathon and, and you can sort of grin and bear it a little bit more. Um, but yeah, there'll be no spectators. It'd be very similar to London, I think, um, just slightly longer loops. Um, so yeah, watching London, it's sort of, got a feel for what it will be like um in the world obviously it'll be over a less distance um but yeah at least sort of mentally prepared i think it's good to mentally prepare yourself for those sort of situations because they are tough and you do need to be quite mentally strong um so yeah i'm pretty prepared for it really um yeah i'm, quite, I'm excited i feel great and in shape so i just can't wait yeah. to wear that gb vest and and Brilliant. just race um, are they talking about what you have to do when you get over there do you have to kind of stay in a hotel for any period of time before or is it just um relatively kind of traditional build-up to the race um yeah i mean there's lots of um health and safety um, and lots of covid uh, restrictions um that put in place so we go over there and um, so we obviously got to have testing lots of uh, testing uh, to make sure that we're fit and healthy before we get fly over so we have some testing the week commencing the race um, so the, just before we fly um, to make sure we test negative and then we're able to fly then once we test negative we're able to fly over to Poland and then when we get over to Poland we then get have another test um, just to make sure in the in the days that we've traveled um, that we haven't obviously caught anything so we then be tested when, when we get there as soon as we get there um, and then as long as we test negative again um, we can just race as normal. If not, we would have to isolate over there if something is caught between the travelling right. time. Um, but other than that, um, it's just testing, really. Um, I know that they've been put in, uh, into quarantine um, over there now, but that doesn't affect us. Um, so I think it will be a case that we fly home. The race is on the Saturday. We fly home on the Sunday morning anyway, so we've not got too much time there. Um so I think it would just be a case of staying around in the hotel when we are there and not sort of moving around too much. One thing's for sure, it's going to be a uh, kind of once in a lifetime experience potentially, isn't it? That that, that environment with that kind of high level racing. So um, yeah, yeah. What what we like to do with the uh, with the interviews on the podcast, Samantha, is just uh, give our listeners a um, some context of your standard really by going through your pbs yes so i'll run through them obviously if uh, if i am out on anything then obviously give me a shout um, we are finding that although runners are um, incredible like elite and sub elite runners are incredibly down to where if you all seem to know your pbs to the second so um <laughs> if, if i am out just give me a shout so um, so we'll, we'll start with 1500. So you see, I think you've only done the one 1500. So 447.06. Um, yes. Okay. And then uh, then we're on to 3,941.05, which was yeah. uh, at Eton in 2019. Yeah. Um, 5,000 metres, uh, 16.27 um, at the British Championships in September. Yeah. And then... The race that you were just talking about, the 5K, uh, which was a mid Cheshire 5K, so you did 15.48. 10K was is 32.31 at the Talford 10K 2019, which is also a course record. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then um, half marathon is, was the London big half this year is 71 uh, and one second. Yeah. And then like you say, you haven't, you haven't turned to the marathon kind of seriously yet, but yeah, you did do Manchester marathon in uh, 2019 into 51.33. Yeah. Yeah, I did that. I always forget about that one. I've got a feeling that time's going to come down next time that you do a marathon, but. Definitely. um, So if you're looking at those, which one kind of stands out as your favourite, if you had to pick one? Um... I'd say it would be the seventy-one oh one, but yeah, I'd say the half marathon. Although I really do enjoy my ten k's. Um, when I got thirty-two thirty, um, that was back in December. And um, there's not really been any opportunity of a ten k recently. Um, but I'm quite quite confident that would that would be down um now i've been doing a lot of uh, 10k training and i do really like the 10k distance uh, so i'm quite looking forward to next doing a 10k and um, that will be fast um to bring that time down as well um but yeah i probably think it would be the half marathon distance for now okay uh, so, so my 7101 we'll talk about that in a few moments if that's okay because you've got such yeah. good coverage for the uh, for the big half as well so um, just going back to the Telford 10k, um, I mean, when I saw that was a course record, I mean, that's quite a course record to have because the calibre of the runners at Telford 10k is kind of notoriously fast. Um, how did you kind of feel on the day? Did you, were, were you kind of gunning for that time or did it just kind of happen? Well, I did, um, I don't know if you heard about Leeds Abbey Dash, um, sort of in the October, um, a month or two before the Tel- two months it, before Telford. Is that when it was short? Yeah, so it was okay. clustered short, and I did 32, 30, I can't remember exactly what it was, 32, 35, 36, I can't remember exactly, but it was around the 32, 30-something zone, um, and when they cut that short, um, because it was my first real big 10k, um, I sort of, I wanted to prove myself at Telford that just because it was cut short, and I mean, it was cut short by seconds, but I wanted to prove myself that actually, no, I'm capable of um, running that time, whether it was cut short or not. Um, so I went into Telford thinking, no, I, I know I can run that time um, that I did back in at Leeds Abbey Dash um, six, eight weeks before. I know I can run that time just because it was cut short, um, because it got, sort of got taken away from me slightly um, with it being cut short. So I just wanted to prove myself, really. I thought, I know I can run that time. I know I'm going to achieve that time. Um, so I just wanted to prove that to myself. And um, it, it was, yeah, it, was, it felt good. Um, and yeah, um, I mean, I'd love to do a 10K now just to see where I'm at with 10K. Um, so I can compare because it, it has been a while since I've done um, a 10K race. Um, and I do really enjoy them. Uh, they're, they're fast, but they're over, they're over a lot quicker than a half marathon. Yeah. <laughs> What's your, um, have you got one in mind? I mean, obviously it's difficult at the moment, isn't it, to, uh, to, to kind of pick a race and hang your hat on it. But have you got one that you're looking at? Um, well, the Vitality 10,000 earlier this year would have um, would have been a great one um, to have. That's got a really great selection um, of elites there, so that would have really pushed me. Um, but of course, that got uh, cancelled or postponed, should I say, till next year. So hopefully, if that goes ahead next year, it's just so hard. I've looked, there's so many I want to do. 
it's just if they go ahead with these um, sort of times at the moment. So let's talk a little bit about your uh, your running background. So I know you've got a, it's, it, I mean, it's a pretty kind of well-trodden but incredible story, you know, the last couple of years for you. So so taking it all the way back to school, I understand you were quite a good footballer at school and kind of played a few different sports. <laughs> uh, yeah, I used to love football when I was younger. That was my uh, dad's influence. <laughs> so it got me into that. Um, yeah, I used to play football. I was in sort of the... Um, the girls uh, school football team and then I played football out of that uh, quite regularly actually three to four times a week um, was doing training there um, then I'd sort of uh, play matches at the weekend so I was constantly sort of playing football um, and got to quite a good level actually I mean I was only maybe uh, 11 or 12 at the time um, but I sort of got scouted for Notts County um, so could have got to a quite a good level if I'd progressed on um, but I ended up stopping when I was about 14, 15 um, right. so I just had a few years of sort of intense training it sort of became my life a bit like what running is now but yeah. football when I was a child and sometimes when you're too intense with somebody at that age um you sort of you sort of lose interest a little bit when the pressure starts to become too much you sort of lose that interest I think that's just what happened when I was younger I just lost interest and just wanted to be around my friends all the time so lost that football sort of um going me really yeah. but I've always been sporty I've always sort of been the one that would be first in line to to like play all sports, rounders, tennis, badminton. Um, it's funny actually because running was the one thing uh, when my teachers used to get me to do cross country in school. Running was the one thing that I actually hated. She's really <laughs> <bad>. <laughs> it really is my teacher now. She says to me like when she sees me out running um, and sees me on the telly, she's like, "It's so funny because." you were the complete opposite in school when it came to running. It would be so difficult to try and get you to run cross-country because you'd hate it. Um, so, so, yeah. So, so, at what point did you um, did you start kind of enjoying it or at least kind of realising that you kind of had that ability? It was a long, long time after. So, um, sort of through school, was sporty, played lots of sports. And then when I left school... Um, I sort of, sports sort of fizzled out for me, really. I was just more focused on my career, my studies, um, my friends. I, I did go out quite a bit. You know, when you leave school, you sort of want to go out a bit more, experience the, the world and going out. Um, so I did that for a couple of years. Um, and then sort of when I was about 18, 19, I started going to the gym um, quite regularly um, I just wanted to get fit again just sort of um, just go to the gym regular would go with a couple of friends ex-partners and things because they was in the same sort of they was into their fitness so I'd just go to the gym do every day probably go five six seven days a week um, and do a bit cross training do spin classes um, all that sort of thing go on the bike so it's mainly gym based stuff um, so I did that for a couple of years. Um, now and again, maybe once or twice a week, would go and do maybe a 5K around a country park or something with a friend. Uh, nothing competitive, nothing at all competitive. Um, just sort of keep fit and healthy, really. Um, and then when I was... A few years after that, when I was about 20... 
23. Um, I was still going to the gym, sort of enjoying the gym. And uh, I wanted a bit of a focus. You know, sometimes when you get to a point in your life and you want you want to focus, you feel like you need a goal or something to aim for. Um, I just decided randomly, um, there was Nottinghamshire Half Marathon coming up. Um, and I know so many people do, do that race, because obviously being a Nottingham, Nottinghamshire girl, uh, lots of friends and family members would do it. And it was all sort of posted around the city, Nottinghamshire Half Marathon this September. Um, and I was like, oh, that would be really cool to do. And an achievement. Uh, I've never sort of run over 5k before. I might just go for a half marathon. So I remember signing up um, in sort of the August time, end of July, August, and the marathon was the end of September. Uh, so I signed up. So I thought, right, I've got six to eight weeks to train for a half marathon. Um, I think I didn't get over nine miles. I think nine miles was my ticking point in, in training. I was like, I've got, I get really tired at nine miles, so I just stop. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then the day of the race came, so I prepped as much as I can, did it all solo, did it literally to how I felt, didn't ask for any advice, any guidance. I just said, I want to run a half decent time and I want to complete it and be happy. Um, and then came to the day and I did all of that and I was really shocked at uh actually how well I did for my first ever competitive run and half marathon. <laughs> so, so you basically just went out, so this was 2018. Um, yeah, in September. September 2000, so you basically just went out and ran a, 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 a an 83 minute half just on the back of kind of no running training particularly, just kind of natural fitness and kind of gym fitness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't quite sure. I, I completely naive and un uneducated in the sport and I, I wasn't sure what time was a half decent time what time was what I didn't any know anything about paces I literally just went out I think I even ran with my phone in my pocket and my headphones in <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I think that's how I just I just sort of zoned out and just did that um, and then when I finished and I looked at a lot of my time and um, and spoke to people afterwards they were like that's a really good time do you run for a club do you run competitively how often do you run and I was like I don't really um and just sort of explained that I just just wanted to try it out and just see how it would do if anything I just wanted to finish the race because I've never done that sort of distance I just wanted to to finish it and complete it um so that was my achievement in just completing it. Um, so when I managed to do a pretty decent time for my first run, uh, and people were just saying, maybe you should like keep up running more and see where, where it goes for you. Um, and I, was, I wasn't quite sure what to do around it. And then somebody suggested to join a club. Um, so I joined literally a running club a matter of weeks afterwards. Um, and then it all stemmed from there. I just progressed and progressed carried on racing um and then just got to the level where i'm at now we've just just by doing that <laughs> so i mean you make it sound so kind of simple really how you kind of progressed from running your first kind of half marathon two years ago to kind of representing gb in the half marathon world championships now um but how were, i suppose is the step into elite running was it a kind of conscious one did you actually kind of think well this is a real natural ability i've got and 
these are the things I do need to do to kind of step into that world or did it just happen on the back of a series of well not random decisions but you know just the right decisions um yeah it started off with random decisions um I, I cannot honestly hand and heart say I never expected to become an elite athlete and and, and really change my life really um I never expected to, to be where I am now with running um, because running for me was, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the release, release it gave me. Uh, my job is, it can be very stressful. Um, so it was just, it could make a whole stressful day go away. So it was more um, of it just a feel good factor for me. And I, I just really enjoyed it. Um, and it, like you say, it made me feel good. Um, I felt fit, I felt healthy. So that was a main part of why I ran. Um, and of course, when I started to see the progression, um, I was like, okay, this, this is good. Like, this must be something here. So carried on, carried on the training and it, I never expected every race I would have to, to PB by minutes. Um, and then I did, um, and I started to do a few 10 Ks and again, it was by four, three, four minutes each time. And I was just like okay and you sort of get get used to that so I'm expected that every time so it went until I did about my third half marathon and I said to myself no I want to achieve this time next um so again it would be three or four minutes quicker because I'd done that I'd improved by that much on my previous performance so I thought well no that's what I need to do so I trained that little bit more harder um between races um to make sure I got that that improvement and it's just forever been like that until probably start of this year end of last year is where I really started to believe in myself and it's been this year where I've had where I've got really big goals now and um and I do believe in myself a lot more I've got a lot more confidence because up until the last nine to, to ten months it's just still been a bit of a, a whirlwind for me and I do think sometimes how have we got here that quickly like is it is it just can it can I carry on and I was just um but because I know I can because there's so much that I'm still not doing um which because it's a time factor and um I haven't got enough experience yet to uh to sort of learn from my mistakes um so so yeah it's it's, it's been crazy but of course now I've got I've had a coach over the last um since last sort of um god i can't remember now this is last september i've had a coach now so of course so that's, part... so that's vince vince wilson isn't it yeah vince he's a big part of my journey now i mean if i didn't have him um i was progressing a lot before i was with vince um and of course now i've got the right um advice the right guidance the right training everything um i do now is is set on pace and set on times and um it's all all my training is set towards things so when i've set to my half to do for this time and to do this pace so everything now is so structured which it wasn't before so of course he's going to help me improve even quicker by having that structured plan for me and it's everything else all those little extras the that you don't that you never knew about before i've never dreamt to do weights and and stuff like that and stability work and all the other little things and um, whereas all of that um helps your performance um as well so of course with his help he's sort of helping me along the journey as well and hopefully get to to where we want to be 
So how, how did the relationship with Vince come about? Did um, it was really random again with Vince. Um, it, I was getting to a point where, because I was progressing quite quick, and I thought, okay, I want to try, uh, really try here, try and see what I can get out of running. So I was sort of looking, but I didn't really, being new to the sport, I didn't know anybody. Um, I knew that I wanted to push myself um, to the really far, and I knew I wanted I had big, quite big goals that I wanted to get to, but the people would look at me and think, she can't achieve that. She's inexperienced. Uh, them, them goals are way too high. Um, I got a few pushbacks from a few people saying they are really big expectations there, um, but I've actually achieved all of those now. Mm. Um, so again, that's uh, their loss um, on that part. So um, I was looking for it, but I wasn't. I was sort of doing my own thing. Um, but being very open-minded. Um, but yeah, Vince just came along. It was on uh, social media um, where I found Vince. Um, we were sort of exchanged a few messages regarding running and he'd sometimes message and, and be like, oh, well done on your race. And we just started chatting uh, through social media, really. And then um, I know he's based, he was based in Loughborough at the time. Uh, so he lived in Loughborough and I'm Nottingham. So it's not that far. Um, so we arranged to meet up one time um, for a chat and he just wanted to know sort of what I wanted really. He wasn't coaching at the time. Um, he did coach some athletes at Charmwood a few years, previous years before, um, but I wasn't actually with Charmwood at the time. Um, I was with Knott's AC. Um, I was running for a club um, called Knott's AC. So, uh, yeah, it was a bit random with Vince. I met up with him, um, we had a chat, we had a coffee, and he was just like, I can see percent potential. Uh, again, I weren't quite, I didn't quite believe in myself. I was a bit like, when he, when he was telling me what I could achieve and what I, I could do, I was like a bit hesitant, a bit like, oh, you, you really sure? You really think I can, I'm capable of that? And he was just like, yeah. Um, so with having his positivity and belief and pushing me I was like no let's let's uh, give this a go so we sat down together we put a plan in place um, he set the training plans every week we would meet up he would pace me on the bike do track sessions together and yeah just went from there really every performance was um, was a great performance and improvement uh, and we just got closer and closer um, and now we're like husband and wife relationship. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose having that, um, you know, somebody is as uh, kind of well regarded as Vince, giving you that kind of seal of approval and saying kind of what he believes that you could achieve. I mean, that must yeah. be that must have been an incredible boost. Yeah, definitely. When you because Vince, um, he's really well, well known in the athletics industry, so he knows a lot of people, and um, for him to say that. Um, it, it was almost like, no, you, you really need to believe in yourself. If somebody like that believes in you, that's met all sort of elite athletes and worked with elite athletes like Mo Farah out in, in Kenya and other places, then, you know, you've you got to listen to people like that and just trust their advice and trust what they're saying. To be honest with you, I'm more interested in his, uh, in his coaching, Ronnie O'Sullivan. Is that, is that a... Uh... <laughs> is he still coaching Ronnie O'Sullivan? That is, that's, yeah, that's a he fact, is. isn't it? Yeah. He is, he is. I think he's trying to get himself out there now and coach more athletes. It was originally just me. Uh, well, we, he did coach um, 
a club uh, a few years ago, but then he came out of coaching to focus on himself um, and his well-being for a few years. And then he came back into coaching um, with me. Um, I think he said that I'm sort of the one that's got him back into coaching. Um, because what with Vince, he, he likes a lot of commitment and the fact that he, he could see potential and he knew how committed I was. Like I told him how hard I work. Um, and how hard a train and he was just like that's that's great commitment if you can commit like that then I can commit to you because I know that you're committing to the sport um, and that's what I suppose you want to see from your athletes um, so yeah he's coaching more now so he's coaching me Ronnie um, and a couple of other other athletes um, but yeah I, he speaks very highly of Ronnie I think he really likes it he seems like a cool guy though he's a funny guy I'm sure people people who are listening will know, but uh, I probably should say that Ronnie O'Sullivan is actually a really good runner, <laughs> and he actually does love running kind of more than snooker by all accounts from what he says. So um, yeah, he, he does seem yeah. to love his running. Yeah, he does, which is great. Like you say, running it doesn't matter what level you are; it it can help you mentally, physically, in any sort of way. Uh, running is great, and it you know it doesn't really take much. A pair of shoes and off you go. <laughs> So kind of moving through your step into the kind of elite world, um, yeah. obviously the no notable performances in 2019. I mean, we talked about the Talford 10K uh, in the December and obviously you had a good one at Manchester Half in April as well, much earlier in the year. Um, yeah. And then a quite, quite, quite a huge kind of, well, I mean, you'd already broken through, but a race that you've got a lot of, coverage on was the big half in half in March yeah, um, yeah. so yeah so I really just kind of want to talk to you about that really because it's uh, you got you got so much kind of tv coverage um <laughs> you know because it was obviously on the BBC and you kind of went out and um, kind of led the led the race for quite a long time um yeah talk us through your kind of uh, how the day went and um, kind of your uh, your memories of the race yeah um yeah it was I was really looking forward to the big half um I don't know if you knew um but two weeks before I did Barcelona half marathon okay um, and I pb'd there by um again I, I did a great pb there so I pb'd from 73 minutes to 71 71 some I can't remember 71 40 something um so I'd PB'd there, so from Barcelona, from two weeks later with Vitality, I knew I was in, in good shape. I thought, okay, I've just done 71, 40, um, for, I think 47 seconds, I can't remember exactly. Um, so I, was, I knew I was in good shape, and I was looking forward to the Vitality because it was a qualifier, it was a, the British Half Marathon Championship race. Um, so it was a qualifying race to qualify for the World Championships. Um, so I sort of went into the race feeling good, feeling confident. Um, I'd prepped as much as I can, tapered as much as I can. Um, so it was just waking up and, and seeing how you feel on the day. And just went into the race and there were some, some really, really good fast, fast names there. Um, so naturally you're going to feel a little bit nervous. But um, yeah, sort of people are just saying... I got so many messages afterwards saying you were so brave um, just going out there at the race and, and performing like you did. But like I said to my coach and, and people afterwards, um, I did feel great. Um, I felt felt good. Uh, I didn't feel like I was burning out. Um, 
I felt comfortable and I mean it, it's not easy never race is never never easy but when you feel comfortable that's as much you can ask for really and that's how I felt um I felt that for a good 40 45 minutes of the race um and then naturally you start to get a little bit tired um I don't actually know my splits of the race, um, but maybe naturally I did get a little bit tired and maybe slowed down or just maintained pace and didn't pick up towards the end. And I think that's where me and Lily, um, I think sort of around the 10 mile mark, were sort of battling it out a little bit. Um, but I think her experience and her endurance maybe uh, defeated me a little bit more um, in that sense. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure really, um, but... Th- but yeah, I just felt really, really good. Um, the race again, I PB'd to, on that race again. I got, I got four seventy one oh one, um, so very, very seconds away from uh, sub seventy one, which would have been great if I pushed that a little bit, pushed that two more seconds quicker. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I just felt really good, and the fact that um, I came second, I managed to qualify for the World Half Marathon Championship. That's what I wanted. I weren't focused on time. I was focused on doing well and, and coming in the top three. Um, that's what I wanted. And when I, when you go into a race and you you're determined, um, that was the only word I could put it as. I was just determined. I felt good, and I just wanted that top three. So whether I was first, second, or third. Um, that that's where I wanted to be in, in one of them uh, positions. And the girls were, it was a it was a tough competition. It were fast girls there, so you know you know it's going to be a, a, a tough race. You just got to do your best and do what you can. So you so you, like exactly like you said, you led the race for forty three minutes, um, even taking kind of the commentators by surprise. Um, you know, mm-hmm. in the early stages, because that must have been quite a sweet feeling when they were kind of trying to kind of rummage around and find some background information on you while you were kind of leading the race um was that was that the tactic from the start to go out hard and kind of try and lead out were you that confident um again yeah you can have tactics on a race but I've always just gone with how I feel um and this is something that I sat down with my coach and I've tried to be very tactical um but sometimes it just doesn't work for people. Um, I just go out with how my body's letting me go out. And if it's telling me to go, I, I just go how, with how my body lets me get, lets me go, really. I've always done that from the day one of run. Um, when I try and be tactical, um, it doesn't work for me. So, you know, you just go with how, how you feel like you best perform. Um, and going out leading the race, I wasn't phased by anyone around me. It was just, I feel good. I'm going to keep going um, as for as long and as fast as I can, really. For me, the uh, the really impressive thing, kind of watching it back, is that when Lily Partridge catches you, you almost kind of expect you to buckle a little bit quite quickly and kind of go, kind of disappear behind Lily Partridge, maybe, but. You know, the fact that you kind of held on to her and, like you say, kind of traded blows with her for a few miles on the back of that um, yeah. just showed unbelievable resilience, you know. And, and again, I think it took, took people by surprise and kind of showed people what you're all about. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you're up against um, people like Lily Partridge and um, that, that 
they is a marathon runner um so she's got a lot of experience she she works she knows exactly how when she needs to push when she doesn't she she'd be very very she'd be quite tactical uh, with how she she races i'm sure um but everybody's different again it's only a, still a learning curve for me um I'm learning things all the time when I race. I, I, back in the race I did two weeks before, um, when I did Barcelona, um, you know, I raced differently what, from what I did in Barcelona to what I did by Vitality. You just sort of mix it around a little bit. You, you're learning, learning constantly from different races. You'll feel different on different races. I felt very different from what I did in Barcelona to what I did in Vitality. I mean, I could have been even more slightly fatigued still from the half fast half marathon two weeks before. You just don't know. Um, and, and yeah, uh, I mean, the, the comparison... Um, from the race that I did uh, in Ireland a few weeks ago, I felt a lot stronger out there. Um, so I can tell over the last six to nine months of training through like lockdown and everything in comparison to March is I felt stronger, um, which, is, which is great because I compare that to how I felt in March and I feel different already. Um, I felt stronger and, and like I could have carried on going for much longer um so so yeah so the actually so the Antrim um, half marathon as well was another you know high profile race really where you were you know obviously because of the timing of it and the caliber of the fields and you know there was a lot of media attention on it within the running community how have you kind of adapted to kind of being in the limelight really and, and, and the kind of media focus on races like that um yeah yeah i mean it, you sort of get used to it it's a bit strange at first when you're getting constant messages and you, your social media profile or goes up and you you get a lot of uh people messaging you uh asking you for advice or um just questions on your training or or for a bit of inspiration um like it's like you get a lot of support out there i mean the running community it is so is amazing really um i mean even when I'm out and about, I'll get people pipping the horn because they, they know of you or they've seen you on the telly. Um, and to get messages still now, I've seen you on the telly, you really inspire me and stuff like that. So it's really nice, actually. Um, I've not really dealt with any negativity side to it um, and hopefully won't. I'm sure there will be bits and pieces of negativity there always is. But most of it is just so positive and so, and so lovely and the fact that you're inspiring people um because you're in your own little bubble you sort of don't don't always realize how you are impacting on other people and uh, i got a lovely message the other day for she actually seen me out training uh, i think she'd recognize me from from the tv in london uh, but then seen me out training in loughborough um and she sent me a really nice message saying i'd seen you on the tv and then seen you out training and um she's just saying that like, you, you really actually inspire me she's saying she's having an off day and she's seen me and then she went out for a run and felt great um and things like that it just makes you you realize what you do isn't just for you because uh, some days we all have bad days and we all have tired days and we all have days where we don't feel 100 percent um but then when you think about things like that it just you're inspiring people all, all over um from social media and yeah it, it's a really nice thing i think almost especially as a, a as a kind of elite female runner as well i think you know to be able to kind of be in a position to inspire 
kind of young girls to compete and um, take up running or take up athletics. I know that my, um, you know, particularly in the preparation for this meeting you today, I've watched a lot of your old running videos back and watched them with my 10 year old daughter. And, you know, she absolutely kind of loves you watching, you know, the way you run and particularly in the kind of, you know, the, the, in the big half when you were kind of running so strong and that kind of image of you running in with, you know, some of the strongest men. Um, you know, are you aware of that kind of, that side of things, are you, is that something that you kind of will look at as you go on? Um, yeah, I mean, you don't, don't really think about it because everything happens so quickly and and things just, like the last year, everything's just happened so quick. Um, I mean, as time goes on, um, I would love to, to, to do like a little, uh, to do sessions with the younger girls or do some kind up my social media inspire more people um to run um especially younger younger females younger males um because i think it's so important to have some a focus and of course enjoy it as well and have people to look up to like there's people i look up to uh, paula radcliffe being one um she's really someone that I look up to and I think it's important to have that because it does keep you motivated and it just kind of says you can achieve anything in life really like if you if you work as hard for something you can achieve anything I did, I did try and find this out but I'm pretty sure that it's fair and saying you're not sponsored at the moment Samantha is that right no and um, I have no sponsorships um at the moment um is that is that your choice, or is are you kind of kind of discussions about being sponsored, or is it is it? I mean, what's the? You should have thought that with your performances, then um, you would have been kind of right in line for you know some sponsorship deal in terms of whether it's the shoes or or whatever it might be. Yeah, I had a couple um, of opportunities, and I tried out. Um, and didn't it didn't quite work um i've not had that much to be honest i don't know if it was sort of the wrong time um of course covid hit um so i've not been able to race as much and the performances that i did back in march um i don't know if it was time it, I, i'm not quite sure like you say i've had a few a few offers um and it's just not not really been for me um ideally i'd love to go fully professional um yeah. and be able to reduce or quit work because i just when i give want to give my all to something i really do um so by being professional i know i can do that 100 percent completely and um, at the moment i'm I mean, apart from um, obviously having a bit of time off with work over the last few months because of everything. I mean, before before COVID um, and now again, it life has been pretty crazy. It, it is insane working, being up from half past five in the morning to, to not getting home to nine at night, half eight, nine at night, um, trying to run twice a day, trying to fit in a gym session, trying to fit in a massage, trying to meet my friends. Because uh, out of running, I do still have um, quite a lot of friends, friends that are like a big friend, a big friend group and family group that um i'm really close to so you know you still want to make time for them of course not as much which they're completely understanding and supportive um 
but you still you still don't want to make time for them uh so yeah to try and make time for it all was really tough so i'm hoping if i can keep performing keep pushing as i am maybe right off this year with any sponsorships and there's something miraculously comes along but there's not really much time left now uh hopefully next year and thing if things start to to change a little bit in the world and, and more starts to happen uh something will come along um would you potentially consider a uh a kind of leap over to america to you know i would say that your times are quicker than quite a lot of you know full-time professional athletes maybe particularly on the uh, on the west coast of america with some of the teams that are kind of springing up so would you if, if the opportunity arose would you consider kind of that leap yeah, I mean, any opportunity um, that was given at the moment, I think it would be perfect for me. Um, I'm in a position where I can take those sort of opportunities. I don't have any big commitments over here at home. So I don't have my own children and, and stuff like that. So I think whilst I've got no real big commitments, the only big commitment would be leaving home. <laughs> That's about it, really, leaving work. Um, but again, you can always go back into them. Um, yeah, I would, I would take any opportunity, really. Again, being quite new into it, um, I don't know if people are sort of holding back with sponsorships to seeing uh, where I'll go. Um, I'm not quite sure. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. So in terms of kind of plans for the future, I know that you're obviously driven and uh, I mean, you just touched on that you want to, you know, ideally you want to become kind of full time. If I had to ask you kind of what your ultimate long-term goal is in running, what would you say? Um, I mean, if, it's, if, if we've got a, a five-year plan, should I say, um, Olympics, Commonwealth Games, you know, they're, they're going to be the, uh, the ultimate goal. Um, we've got the World Half Marathon Championship. That's a good one to tick off. Uh, and the British uh, Championship. Um, just, just so happens, I've got the Olympic qualifying times here, Samantha. For uh, so, like, so obviously, five thousand meters, fifteen eleven, ten thousand meters, thirty-one thirty-nine, a marathon two twenty-nine. Um, they're, they're not, they're not, they're not a million miles away from where you're at at the moment, are they? No, um, no, they're not. And it, it's a difficult one at the moment because because I've not done all the different distances and had the experience of doing all different distances, um, I feel like I'm not really had that much time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm still in limbo. I'm, I will be moving up to the marathon at some point, but I'm still, me and my coach are still deciding um, when that will be um, because the 10,000 metres was ultimately going to be the goal. Um, but as you know, track is a very, very different type of racing to on the roads that I'm used to. Um, so I think it would just be getting my head round track uh, because I think I'm in training doing 10K. I think I'm capable of the qualifying time. The opportunity to talk to you tonight and probably uh, feeling quite pleased with ourselves in a few years' time. So if you do kind of, you know, fulfil your potential and carry on the way you're going then you know i wouldn't put the olympics past you by any means so um look really appreciate you taking your time for us tonight samantha i know that you're so busy and um, we do just finish with a couple of kind of quick fire questions to hopefully um yeah. put you on the spot a little bit um, <laughs> i won't put a time limit on you for the answers but um 
So, if you could go for a run with one athlete d- dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, athlete, as in, could yeah. it be a former former athlete? Yeah, um, it doesn't have to be a runner either, so it could be any sports person. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> There's plenty I can do. <laughs> you know what, it's, I'm going to say Paula Radcliffe. Um, yeah, Paula Radcliffe. Yeah, I thought you might do from your answer earlier, mate. She was <laughs> absolutely inspirational, wasn't she? So yeah um, if you could choose just one race a year to compete in and that's a race and not a distance which one would you choose Ooh, one race a year oh i don't know um i'd say london marathon i'd go for london marathon okay. not like it was today um <laughs> like yeah the usual london marathon Oh, you'll have disappointed the organisers of the Robin Hood half marathon there, Samantha, but we'll move on. <laughs> uh, what's your favourite session to do? My favourite session? Um, I love, uh, it's actually a track workout. We don't always do it on the track, uh, but my coach uh, will set me mile reps um, and 400s. It's a brutal session. But I absolutely, I come off it and I feel great. Well, I don't feel great, but I don't know. That session is one of my favourites. When he tells me we're doing that session, although it's brutal, um, I find it quite a fun session. Is that, is that mile reps followed by the 400s or mile 400, mile? Uh, so it'd be mile rep, mile reps and then 400 and then a mile rep and then a 400. Okay, nice. And very finally, what's your current netflix recommendation oh i actually watched friday the the 13th last night and that was the most awful film i've ever watched that'll be your uh, that'll be your recommendation not to watch so <laughs> not to watch i watched that last night and do not watch that so to watch oh let's go with something light-hearted um Oh, it's got to be something like Dirty Dancing. Like, that is just the best old school film. Do you know what? I probably shouldn't say this while it's being recorded, but I do quite like Dirty Dancing as a film. It's one of my favourites. <laughs> we've, uh, we've also got the CD in the car for, uh, for, for uh, when we drive into places. So um, you can't, I, I always say it's all about the soundtrack. <laughs> exactly. Everybody loves Dirty Dancing. <laughs> um, and in terms of social media, you're on Instagram, you're on Twitter. Yeah, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, Strava? No. <laughs> Strava, okay. No, not Strava. Well, yeah, I didn't really post anything on Strava. Um, so it would be point. I think I have like one workout on there. I use um, other forms of, of training instead of Strava. Okay, well, we'll post links to your um, Instagram and Twitter sites if that's okay. Um, on our social media when we posted so look like I said really really appreciate you giving the time to us tonight Uh, and um, you know like I said your name has come up in the first few episodes that we've been recording this and in the recent races that you've run in Cheshire and Antrim um, and you're obviously going to go on to bigger and better things for Manfred so like I said really appreciate you giving the time and keep doing what you're doing and keep inspiring people thank you very much and thank you very much it's a pleasure to meet you All right, you too. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Take care.
Thank you.